Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to Birds All Day, episode number 166. This is the new and improved Birds All Day. Uh, my name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we're here to talk about your Toronto Blue Jays, who are uh, maybe reeling, but all hope is not lost. I think that's what we're going to, that's going to be the theme of today, that all, hope is not yet lost. Um, so we're going to try to be, um, not optimistic, but we'll try to, st- we'll see the situation for what it is. That's all we could ever hope for. Uh, but yes, my name is Drew Fairservice, and joining me, uh, joining me as always, uh, old reliable, old reliable, Mister Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing all right. You're doing all right. I'm. Uh, I feel like I'm. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf here. Mm-hmm. Turning over a new leaf in terms of quality. So, uh, if you haven't heard it already, earlier this week, uh, yesterday, in fact, uh, I did an interview with uh, Alexis Bernicki, who uh, works. For uh, a club, I, well, the name escapes me. In there in London, um, she works with Ad, with um, Adam Stern and uh, Chris. Oh, Christ, what's his name? Anyway, uh, it was it was great. It was a great episode. We learned because like, Alexis has done everything in the game. Worked for the Jays for eight years at scout school. Uh, she's Canadian baseball ambassador. So uh, it was great. But what I do these, I conduct the interview and then I kind of do my little editing thing. And I realized how much I like bang the table and crash around. Uh, to which when I Stoughton and I were talking about it off air, he's like, "Oh, did you was I supposed to tell you that?" <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned so, it. On, um, I mentioned it on air the other week. Oh yeah, I think you did, and I, I just oh, I brushed did. it off like, yeah, oh, I yeah, you did." I'm. Uh, I would never make. I would never do something as as egregious as that. But I and the reason is, and the, the, it's funny because I always make fun of Mark Shapiro for using his standing desk as he's got that kind of vibe. And I have a little thing, like almost like a little podium that you could turn into a standing workspace. And I, when we started, to, I, when we recorded these for the longest time, I would put the mic on there and then stand up and talk. And I'm animated and carrying on. But then I got lazy. So we do this pretty late at night, generally late. Well, late-ish at night for an old man who with 100 kids. It's late. So I sit and I just stick the stupid mic, just plunk it down on my uh, very low-quality countertop here. So then every noise, every bump, every everything is picked up by the mic. So I'm trying to edit and, you know, using I, this program that I use so I can record. And it's just like I hear everything. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, how how is anyone listening to this ever? Yeah. So yeah, I apologize. Uh, yeah, we we know. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to apologize for being so such being such an amateur. So I've got I've got my rig set up here. I got foam cushions and old hardcore t-shirts that I'm using to, to to dampen the sound and to support the microphone. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's still going to pick up all kinds of crazy noises. But the important thing is that, uh, you know, we recognize it and we're trying to move on. I'm trying well, to move on. well, you know what I like about it, though, is that this is this is the level of uh, of advice that we need. Like some people, if you're if you're afraid to be like, hey, this does, this doesn't sound right after 166 mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, no, there is no there is no problem too small to point out that uh, if it's annoying, we are, we're happy to correct it for you. Very much so, and and it comes from a place of love. One, my, our friend Rob Irkane, day one listener, uh, the best guy on the the best man on the internet. Um, uh, I, I would probably wouldn't be here doing this without Rob. He tweeted at me in in the most loving way, and he asked me, "Were you doing the fucking dishes?" <laughs> when you were now when, when Alexis was talking about scout school and it was like a it was a moment of clarity because I wasn't doing the dishes, but I was reaching over trying to fill up a, gla- a glass of water 
as I was parched from speaking a lot, as I do. But no, onward and upward. Learning, we're, 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 we're ahead of the game already. People have stuck with us through 166 episodes. Um, and sometimes the, the lo-fi aesthetic uh, is endearing to some folks, but it's also difficult to listen to. So we're going to make it easy to listen to by uh, standing up, and I'm not going to be banging on the table anymore. Although that is something that I do love to do. If I've had, like, maybe more than three drinks, I like pounding on the table no matter what we're talking about. That's just that's my vibe, and I stand by it. But not now. No more on the podcast. I am just, I'm really glad that after... After 166 episodes, we're really going to start to take this audio quality seriously. It's nice. It's important. It's important <laughs> not that that we consider the, the 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 listeners and consider what is best for them. It takes someone insulting me, a friend insulting me, for me to be like, "Oh yeah, I'm a garbage person uh, with no regard for human life." But here we are, and we're going to talk about the Blue Jays, um, who are, uh, who in uh, fact are like a friend insulting you. It's like they're a friend that's insulting all of us right now. They're a little bit, uh, a little bit out of control. They could rein that in. Maybe be better friends to us. <laughs> they're at they're at, they're at sixes and sevens a little bit. They're uh, <laughs> well. They I, I said reeling. I don't know if reeling is the right word. Well, it's more like it's it's a bit of a slow bleed, right? To get yeah. down to the five hundred mark, and then I mean, being five hundred is not. I mean, it has a symbolic value. And I think I saw John Gibbons talking about how once you get below 500, it gets really hard to get back up. And I think usually that's because if you're below 500, it's because the team's shitty. And it's hard for a shitty team to win more games than it loses over any given period of time. The Blue Jays aren't shitty. They remain the t- very much the team that we expected them to be, I think. They're I think, in that yeah. same tier. The, t- the tiers, as we set forth, or we, we, we being anyone who is kind of looking at it from this perspective, saw that the Yankees and the Red Sox and Houston were all really good. I think many, I think Cleveland has been very disappointing and not nearly as good as uh, anyone would have thought this year. And the, but the other thing, and uh, this is where it comes to the Blue Jays. So, so it's like the Blue Jays take one step forward and then one step back as well. So uh, there's some news this week, I think, you know, wild card-ish, wild card related, because that's what, that's the, with the, the tier that the Blue Jays are in. So the number one, piece of news is the Robinson Cano. Yeah. Robbie Cano has got dinged for uh, steroids or uh, a performance enhancing drug of some description. And he's out gone now for what is it? 80 games. Yeah. And ineligible for the postseason as a member of the Mariners, that is understood, but that's a blow to a team that is in that same tier. Um, so that's a problem for the Mariners. And that helps the blue Jays as that is a team that they will look to be, they will be jostling with probably for the rest of the year. Because they're close enough. And I mean, it also maybe helps the Angels a little bit, who are, you know, going to have to face the Mariners a bunch, who not only don't have Cano, but maybe don't have the same impetus to keep the team together at the trade deadline and all those other things, right? I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, there could be some cascading effects from uh, Robbie Cano's uh, masking agent situation. No, no, it was just it was some medicine they took for a chest, an illness. Well, he had an illness. My mistake. My mistake. He had an illness. But the the Angels you mentioned. So the Angels and the Mariners and the Jays and maybe Minnesota. Um, and, you know, we naively thought maybe Texas might be in that conversation. Um, 
But the other thing, so I said, you know, naively thought Texas would be in that situation, but no, they're very bad. Very, very, very bad. Now Cole Hamels is missing the start. They're really bad. But the other thing is that the Angels are really, 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 really good. <laughs> they're way better than I think most of us. Exp- uh, not me. Not the Halos <laughs> all day. Number one super fan here. I mean, but the Angels are really well, good. The, like it's the, the Jays. Are, they're scary. The Jays woke up today three games back of this scary juggernaut that you speak of. But yes, they're yeah, they're pretty fucking good. They've got some. They've got some talented players, I suppose, on the team with the literally two best baseball players in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're yeah. It's true. Um, uh, they're a scary team, and uh, they have kind of going toe to toe with Houston, maybe a little bit more. I think Houston definitely looks like a team that is getting such insane starting pitching, but everything else looks like in about third gear. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the Astros have another gear where they, you're, their Astros are going to go like on a 25 and five stretch at some point this summer. But yeah, the angels are really, really good. Now the angels problems are, are clear. I mean, we talked to Riley, about it last week, Riley Breckenridge, um, the, the online angels fan about, uh, you know, the, the bullpen is bad. The Angels bullpen is bad and it's managed by Mike Sosha, which means it is like super, super terrible Um, (laughs) because he blew out Keenan Middleton missed was on the disabled list, came back. He used him three straight games and now he needs Tommy John. Now he doesn't need Tommy John because of the the way that Sosha used him in that like week and a half window. But it just, to me, it's he, there's, there's, there's a problem with the Angels, and it's the bullpen. And I don't know if they're going to have any money to be able to go and fix that when the time comes. But they look like a playoff team. So suddenly, the Blue Jays, who maybe don't have to worry about as much about the Mariners, but they have like really good teams ahead of them in the wild card race. And, and now the other talk, of course, is the other side of like, imagine the Jays finish a game short of the wild card, and they didn't uh, maybe put the best team on the field for as long as they could. I'm a little bit less. I think that I think that Shohei Otani has taken care of that problem for the Jays. <laughs> I don't think that it's going to be an issue for them like that. It's starting to tilt that way, isn't it? But uh, you know, still, lots of things can lots of things can happen. But uh, and also, that is no excuse for the Blue Jays to not be putting their best team on the field for as long as they possibly can. I mean, you know, you don't want to manage every single game like it's the seventh game of the World Series, and we're all we're all adults here who are rational about how the system works and how the the game works and all that. But you know, it's getting to that point, right? I mean, except that it isn't. It's getting to the point where it's going to this is this conversation, uh, especially while Morales is still employed by by the Blue Jays and getting regular at bats and being unfortunately just god awful just you know it's so it's so weird the morales thing it's not weird because you know yes i i I stumped for him a lot and not 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 blind to the terribleness that uh that was there but just hopeful that maybe it it wasn't as as big a thing as as it's turning out to be right now for sure but like i mean this is a guy who you you compared to jose bautista last year like bautista was fucking garbage compared to Morales. Morales was a fucking league average hitter. And even though it was kind of one of those league average because he hit 28 home runs or whatever, and then like did very little else in his remaining 600 plate appearances. But uh, nonetheless, a league average hitter who is just, I mean, just looks, 
lost isn't it. It's just you know, finished is where where you get to when you're when you're the age of Kendrys Morales and the speed of Kendrys Morales and the athleticism and all the other things where it's like okay, this is just a this is just a, a man not built for this game, which we've talked about. I'm sure we have talked about it, and it's getting louder. I mean the we would st- the, the we would still be talking about this the Kendrys Morales situation and whether or not. Um, he represents the Jays putting the best team in the field with or without Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think so, yeah. That's how that that's how bad Morales is playing. If Morales was fine-ish, um, and there was no Guerrero kind of nuclear option, low like looming overhead, it would still be he, he's killing the team, right? Um, uh, like, or sorry, if he was bad but there was no Guerrero, they would be like, okay, you can work around that. Now, I think right now the injury to Pierce sort of helps to offset that a yeah, little bit. Like if, yeah. if, if you had Pierce and Granderson both vying for, for at-bats and you still have Justin Smoke, who has kind of, you know, not been as good as last year, but still, you know, obviously a viable everyday first baseman. If you're trying to find those at-bats, you know, Morales' value well, is going to start to evaporate goes, a little bit even more. It goes beyond just that. I mean, then there's then there's Grichik, then there's Diaz, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. then there's Devin Travis. I mean, if this is a team at full health and Solarte is, you know, you can't put. But I mean, we're still a little ways off of that. But especially with Teoscar Hernandez having emerged and uh, you know falling back to earth a little bit, but still looking like you know a guy who should be here in the big leagues and is helping the team. I think mm-hmm. uh, the home run against the Mets and uh, and looking like he's maybe coming out of a bit of a funk there for that he was in for a second and certainly not. The uh, the superstar looking guy he was at first, but but yeah, I mean, at some point it's going to become untenable, not because of the Vlad thing, but because of you know who is on the roster, and uh, you know we saw the Padres uh, release Chase Headley either this week or last week, uh, and I wrote a piece about Morales last week, I think, or, or early this week. Who can remember at this point? Uh, and what <laughs> and, and what and how teams handle that? I mean, the the Padres are are like an outlier in terms of. Be their willingness to just eat dead money. That's been a thing they've been doing for a while. Them and the Red Sox are just like, yeah, you know what? We'll we'll just uh, we'll pay this guy to go away. But a lot of teams are kind of reluctant to do it. Uh, and we talked about this a bit last week, right? I mean, the A's and Billy Butler and the Danny Valencia thing where you thought uh, – I, my memory was that he – you know, played his way out of town, and then it's like, oh right, it was he was released in September and had had to be a complete dickhead to his teammate first. Um, mm-hmm. But it's yeah, I mean, nothing has changed from a week ago, and nothing has gotten easier, and it's uh, uh, nothing has looked better for him, and it, it which sucks, which sucks because you know, that that's the thing that sort of gets lost in it, and people having to demand that this man be removed from the Blue Jays lineup. Uh, you know, he's a great hitter for a very long time. Uh, you, you don't want to, you would rather, everybody would rather see Morales uh, getting it done. But, uh, you know, time, sometimes you don't get to choose when you're done. And uh, that looks a whole lot like what is going on with him right now. I had a conversation with a guy just tonight, and he, he was asking um, kind of on like a, he looked at, Kendry's Morales, who's at like minus, you know, just under, not quite negative one win above replacement, but uh, but getting uh, close to that. Like, and he was like, "What would it? What? Would, how would he need to perform? What would he need to get to just to like earn his salary in a, on a dollar per win basis?" And I was like, "Well, you know, he 
if he once he makes this year 11 or 12 so he would need to be like a one and a half wing guy which means he would have to be like basically uh two and a half wins for the rest of the season but you can't i don't think that's necessarily a fair calculation to perform on a dh because you know he was brought in for a reason to kind of address a need in the team i don't think that that dollars per win always is applicable but the, other, the the biggest thing with Kendrick Morales now is the fact that the roster spot that he occupies is worth more than the than the money you lose by by yeah. holding him on Absolutely. holding on to him. Absolutely. Especially as it comes to if it's a matter of we can win more games with Steve Pierce and Curtis Granderson at our DH, cycling one of them through the outfield a little bit. I don't think no one's gonna do that. That's not up for debate anymore because those two players are much better. Uh and the other side of it is could be on a more like cynical note, you want to be able to get those two guys the opportunity to play so that you could maybe trade them if the need arises. Mm-hmm. But, but that like with Morales, yeah, like you don't, you don't get to, you don't get to pick when you're done and you, you know, tonight that they, I was watching the game when we were kind of chatting and getting warmed up or whatever. And he took the glasses off and he, he usually has with no batting gloves. The next thing you know, they show him come up in the eighth inning. He's got glasses off and batting gloves on, like just he's he's just groping around for anything, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. it happens. It happens to all of us, uh, all of us. But uh, but yeah, the morale thing isn't going to go away. And as the roster crunch comes around, it's only going to get uh, it's only going to get worse. So well, it, let's you know it's you know it's interesting to just start thinking about you saying that though is that it uh, it almost makes the Vlad situation better for the Jays if once Grichik and Pierce are healthy, uh, it, like at that point. Like what are you what are you doing? Like you have to at that point basically get rid of Morales and have an outfield of Hernandez, Pilar, Grichuk, and then have Pierce and Granderson go through the DH. And at that point, then then Vlad really is kind of blocked. Then that conversation goes away a little bit. So maybe if you're the Jays, you're like, oh, this will actually this will actually be good for us. Uh, we should just release him. Hint, hint. Ross Atkins. Hint, hint. Mm. <laughs> uh, we know that he's listening. For sure, he's listening. But uh, no, it's it's very true. And and then, uh, I want to I want to talk about. There's a couple of guys. So I don't want we don't we, the Vlad thing we can put off. Like we, this could be the same podcast every single week. Yeah. Where we talk about what Vlad Guerrero has done, which is inevitably always something insane. I mean, the trolling this was week, the trolling was, was pretty good, but. The trolling was amazing. So, of course, everyone, he, he, he said something to the effect of, like, I just thought it was a nice picture. And you know what? There's a part of me that believes that he did. that. That's the Part of that's true. Because of the, the whole conspiracy with the two different people behind and then how in the one shot there were three people and then the other shot there were two. And obviously, it's just like the HDR, like, you know, takes a bunch of photos at, at once. And he's scrolling through his phone and he's like, oh, it's this one. Because it wasn't like he reposted it. But the at the same time, the effect was incredible and everyone went crazy. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. Just because he's nineteen and uh, he's a you know a, a kid who's played baseball is all. I don't think that means. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think he's very capable of pulling a sophisticated troll job on people. I, and I, I, yeah, and whatever it was. Yeah, you're right. It was it was uh, uh, incredible <laughs> how people just just absolutely lost it as they, as they will when the day finally comes next April. Oh my fucking god. Uh, well, then, so there was that. There was this that sort of trolling element, this thing where he's screwing with everybody, and it was funny. And it, then he changed, you know, yeah, it, it wasn't just like I like the photo because he had set his location to a place that he was not in, uh, and then he took that away, and then he took the whole post down, whatever. Obviously, he's just screwing with everybody. Then there was this thing, this fucking thing today, 
Holy shit. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. So, so they're the, the Buffalo Bisons are the Blue Jays AAA affiliate, everyone knows. So the Bison started teasing something like, big announcement, like, we got something cooking, something's coming up hot. And because content's got a content, someone decided that, oh, the, Blue, the Bisons are teasing the arrival of Vlad Guerrero. Which would be true if you had never, ever, 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 ever followed baseball ever in your life. If you had never seen the way that any of this stuff works, if you had no clue about the cloak and dagger nature or the way that 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 baseball operates, you could believe that. Also, if you were colorblind and didn't realize that it was like the color scheme that they were using was very branded and very like trying to evoke a specific mood and vibe they were announcing that they've changed the name of the team to the fucking wings for a week or something some stupid minor league bullshit where they put buffalo wings on a hat and you want you to buy them because that's what the minor leagues are all about they're not about announcing major player development decisions a week in advance because that's that's the nature of a relationship between the buffalo bisons and the, and the, and the blue jays but we digress. Vlad Guerrero had another great week. He's had more. He has more home runs and strikeouts this month, or something like that. Is that true? It, it, maybe not home runs. Maybe uh, extra base hits. I think. It, I think the extra base hits are like way ahead of the strikeouts at this point. Um, it's uh-huh. just. It's getting absurd. It's getting. I, don't, I like. I wrote something about it. Uh, my favorite. Uh, uh, my favorite response was. Oh, was it Sixth Sense? I think maybe you said it. it uh, uh, was that. I compared what Guerrero is doing this year and the numbers that he's put up so far in New Hampshire with what Carlos Delgado did at age 20 slash 21 uh, in his lone double A year. And he's like, Guerrero's numbers are so, are so like video game-ish that looking at Delgado's slash line, which was like 300, 390, 540 or something like that, was just like, oh, is that good? Is that any – it's like it, – it just it just warps your mind as to what a real mm-hmm. – like what is actual success? Like, like people are looking at Bo Bichette like there's some sort of a problem with him, uh, and he did have sort of a little bit of a uh, you know if you're following the games, which I know a lot of people are, as they you know which mm-hmm. which, which is why the hell not? It's it's more fun to watch than the fucking Blue Jays a lot of the time, and uh, you know Bichette's had a to, to even call it a slump is a bit much, but there was a week there where you know he he had too many strikeouts and and uh, the, the numbers didn't quite go. Uh, in the right direction, and I, I, I don't think anybody should be worried about it. But you look at his numbers compared to Vlad's, and you're like, oh, there, is there something wrong, Bo? And also, uh, no, he's doing fine. He's like 20 in Double A, and is he's the second very youngest much player in the league. Yeah, holding his own, becoming a much better defensive player, which is the reports that you're starting to get, which is an exceptionally mm-hmm. exciting development because even if the bat doesn't come along in quite the way that you hope if he's been able to play shortstop the bar offensively is is so much lower there and uh, the the value that he provides to your team if he can be there focusing on his defense this is a guy where you know we kind of scoff at the uh the guerrero thing with the defense you had a, a, a great t- tweet about the uh once he plays a single game of dh he has to burn all his gloves and put the ashes in the river or something like that uh well yeah because that seems like people are like oh they can't bring him up to dh so that'll just stall his defensive development like come the fuck on it, there's, there like have, that, to yeah. me yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> if you could, he needs if if you want him to improve, or if the expectation is that he'll improve defensively, working at game speed at the big leagues, there's no substitute for that. But it doesn't mean that he will not ever f- be training. It doesn't mean that he won't be absorbing knowledge from 
big league instructors from these guys that have made, you know, uh, turned so many, you know, players into much better defenders. doesn't mean that he won't be around Josh Donaldson every day trying to get better at third base. It doesn't mean he won't be doing early infield. Like if anything, they're going to work his ass harder if he's, if they bring him up and they're like, you're going to be our DH for a while. They're, they're, to, to suggest that a guy who looks like he looks to who's built, like he built like to, a guy who has uh, the scouting reports say what they are. I mean, He's going to struggle to be an average third baseman probably for his career. He's got a great arm. That's the that's some of the scouting reports. Keith Law had Keith Law had like a it wasn't negative, but it was like he's not a good third baseman was basically what he said. Like, yeah, he's got a good arm, but he rushed a couple throws and he uh he's just I don't know, it's it's not the issue though. And and I so yeah, A, if they DH him, it's not the end of the world, and it doesn't mean that he won't be able to play third base for as long as as they can let him go stand out there um the other thing and and i like remember we talked about jeff paternostro he couldn't believe he was going to compare him to miguel cabrera but i'm going to compare him to miguel cabrera because miguel cabrera is a big thick dude who came to the big leagues at 20 and played third base and wasn't very good and has played a lot of not very good third base in his career including like five years ago when he won the mvp and had like a nine win year because he's the best fucking right-handed hitter Ever. Well, not ever, but in like 40 years. And now Guerrero is in his same in the same conversation, the way they're talking about him. They're talking about the, the, the numbers that he's putting up and the ability to control the strike zone and smash things and go the other way deep. It's it's crazy. And and the the guy that I came so I used I used Cabrera last week when we were talking about this. So like all oh, the Marlins left him down there for almost seven, like for 69 games. He got like 300 plate appearances at double A. And the Marlins, who have always sort of pushed guys aggressively. Right. I mean, uh, Jose Fernandez, they moved him right from high A to the big league. That's different, obviously. But but like they they, why wait? Why waste those bolts, especially on a pitcher? But they moved him up. Um, But the other guy and the name that I was digging into a little bit was Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant um, put up former former Blue Jays draft pick. Chris Bryant. Former Blue Jays draft pick. The Blue Jays with their astute eye being like that enormous (laughs) dude who hits everything a mile. He's good. Uh, Chris Bryant. The Cubs were really bad in 2014. And Chris Bryant, who was a college bat, but he put up like his numbers at double A. He played 70 games at double A in 2014. And he had like an 1100 OPS. He had 20 home runs. Numbers were crazy. Strikeout rate was more human. human. Like he had a human number of strikeouts, a regular 20 or 22% or whatever it was. Uh, But then they left him down. And so he he did that at double A. And then they moved him to triple A. And he put up the identical numbers. Like 1,100 OPS, 20 more home runs, finished the year at, at AAA. Uh, obviously, he was ready to go. But the thing is, is about Chris Bryant was he was like two or three years older than Guerrero was, and he struck out more. And they still made, they still let him rot in AA or in AAA for that entire year. And then they had the gall to leave him down for a week uh, the following year, 2015, mm-hmm. which is just the craziest thing. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to be part of that. And that's that's the conversation that they're having now. That you don't want to bring Guerrero up. You don't want to start his clock when he's a when he's a, on, on a bad team. Why would you bother doing that? Otherwise, like you said, you'll see him next April. To me, that's just so shitty. It's so shitty. And if you can't pay, if you're worried about what he's going to cost in free agency, if you can't pay him, then what is it you're doing? Are you going to be the A's? 
this faceless band of no the a's are like a real estate scheme when i watch them when i think about what the a's are yeah. the a's are like a are like a condo in vancouver that's owned or here or seattle with the other boom housing boom right now but like it's just a condo that's sitting empty and somebody in an somebody offshore is just like watching the value go up that's what the a's are they're an empty condo apartment in a high rise by the by the water they're just sitting there they're a disgrace in a lot of ways but if you're going to do that, like, if you're going to not not only, like, hold down the best prospect that the team has probably ever seen. Again, you compare it to Carlos Delgado and it's, it's like, lights out. Uh, he's also, but the, he's so much more. And this is the thing that I wrote about for Vice. Like, I've there's never been a prospect like this, I don't think, ever. Because of all the different factors. Because of the fact that it's not... Like it would have been even with Carlos Delgado or with Ken Griffey Jr. Or, you know, these amazing can't miss prospects whose dad were, dads were big, big leaguers. It's 11 o'clock in the morning and there are hundreds of people tweeting and interacting back and forth in real time. Like, oh, Guerrero hit a home run. Oh, he hit a double. Like, this is all happening. Fans, regular fans, people who aren't scouts and whatever are, are watching it happen in front of our eyes. Expectations have changed because of that. And if the Blue Jays aren't, are going to be are going to hold him down and are going to refuse to, um, I don't know if appease the fans is the right word, but like put the best team on the field, do do what needs to be done. It's really, really, really going to, it's going to chap my ass, I think is what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, well, I take, what chaps my ass, I take umbrage with your suggestion that these people are not scouts. They are obviously experts in defensive development and what is necessary for a prospect to do in the minor <laughs> leagues. They are counting Rogers' money and they are, in the meantime, assuring all of us that he needs to play live action uh, every single day of the week or he will never be able to be a third baseman ever again. It's, uh, it's, a really, it's, a, it's a stark reality, folks, but the experts have spoken. Well, when you, when you think about it, I mean, <laughs> you have to be fair to his defensive adjustment. Like, what you're going to kill his wins above replacement. He'll never have a 10-win year if he's a DH or if he's playing first base when he's 21 or 22. You just can't have that. Right. That's, that's not fair to anybody, right? But, uh, yeah, obviously, import, it's important that he become as good a defender as they can make him. As, or as he can make himself, I think, is the more accurate thing to say. He, he, it's up to him. He's the guy who's got to do it. Well, the weird thing is, it's like you talk, you know, I mean, Tulo is obviously an, an afterthought here, but you like you talk about Tulo and what gets lauded about him and, and when he was around more last year and the year before about, you know, working with teammates, get putting the work in, doing the drills, getting there every day, putting that stuff in. It's like that that doesn't go away just because Guerrero is going to end up, you know, playing nine innings at DH or, you know, only getting in at third base for a couple days a week. Uh, which, you know, Donaldson could probably use a couple days off uh, at, at the very least. And, it, yeah, I, I just it, it does it does boggle the mind that people are so adamant uh, at carrying water for the Blue Jays and their position, which is basically, well, there's no way we can say we can hold him down for any offensive reason because obviously this is, you know, absurd what he's doing. So we, we need a pretext and this is what it is. And I don't, you know, I like... like we to, not to uh, to diminish the need for defensive development. I know that that's I know that that's really a thing. But come on. My thing is this. So the other thing that, and I've I've mentioned it on on social media a few times. But he he if he hasn't, he's in the process of earning it. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's earned a promotion. He's earned Any, anyone. He's earned anyone who that, is, sorry. He's earned that extra year of free agency that they're denying him. Yeah. He's earned on or, or if he hasn't now, if you think it's too early, if you think that there are still challenges that he needs to overcome at double A, and then you're gonna put him to triple A and you're gonna ensure that he has then overcomes those challenges. If he, if and when he does that, if you then continue to hold him down, like what kind of an organization are you a part of? And and you know the the players' association you know, kind of does what they can. And Chris Bryant, who I mentioned, like they they did file a grievance right when they when they held him down. They manipulated his service time. The Cubs they they fucked him, right? And he's an older player, so he's going to get into free agency at. 30 probably or 29 instead of 26 but and that that's everything as we saw this past winter but do is that the, is that really the kind of organization that you that you are trying to be like is that what you're going to tell every kid uh, when when you draft them that like you cannot in fact earn your way to the big leagues if if you do earn your way to the big leagues we will purposely hold you back because it will cost us money no that's messed up and and I mean a, a lot of the people are saying like oh they should they need to they, maybe they send him they should sign him to like a ten year contract the day that he comes up or whatever which maybe not maybe let's not like let's pump the brakes on that a little bit but yeah. but he if, if you can't pay the guy who has like a built in mythology in the country in which your team plays or in the in the area which, within your team plays a kid you sign when you're fifteen if you can't think when the time comes we'll find the money to keep him in our in this uniform for as long as need be. If you can't do it for him, then what? Like, what is it you're doing? <laughs> yeah. Also, also like, what is it you're trying to, uh, to to pull off here? When when you have literally seven years to to figure it out, to clear the books, to prepare mm-hmm. yourself for what you have to do here, which is why you know I've been saying this too. It's like it's absurd to be talking about oh they don't want to they don't want to lose them to free agency too early. You know how you do that? You don't it, you just you fucking pay them. Yeah. But, and yeah, twenty twenty five is a long way away. Lots of things could happen between now and then. Maybe you want him to go. Maybe he. Maybe there's a great breakup. God only knows. Uh, like we could talk about this forever, but I don't think we should because it's just we're just doing the same thing over and over. And I, I wrote down one of the topics that I think I want to talk about was optimism. And I'm optimistic about about Teoscar Hernandez. You said he had a bit of a slump, which is true. His numbers are still very strong. He is looking more like the guy that we expected him to look like. Right. Mm-hmm. His walk rate's a little bit below average. Strikeout a little bit above. But he's really put the bat in the ball. Um, and he just shows crazy bonkers power, yeah. and it, it's been it's been good. He, he had a, a, I think there's been a lot. Of, speaking of defense, um, not acquitting himself so wonderfully in right field <laughs> <laughs> so far. Perhaps not. No, but that's okay. I didn't see it. I was listening to it on the radio, but he did had something where the ball was hit into the corner. He just sort of like fielded it and then leaned back against the wall and kind of lobbed it into the infield. I don't know, but. I, some, Wilner, I think, was killing him on the radio. Somebody uh, and, and on Twitter too. They were like, "What on earth is this guy doing?" But, I, uh, I know the moment you're talking about, but I was away from my TV as well, so I, I was. I will have to admit to not have seen that yet either. And and I did not. Uh, I did not endeavor to go back and watch Young Teoscar's uh, uh, miscue there, but. But yeah, uh, so what? Uh, though this is, it does lead to an interesting thing about you know the stuff you hear from Atkins, or I think maybe even it was like Ben Charrington was talking about. Uh, you know, once you're in Buffalo, you're done being a prospect. You're you're ready to go. And I don't know if you were tweeting about this or somebody else that I follow was tweeting. Just like, oh, really? Like, <laughs> like 
Teoscar's defensive development is done. Then that's what that's what we're gonna do. Like like uh, Alfred mm-hmm. is just he's not. You know, I I I don't think that's quite what the you know what was intended by that phrase. Um, because obviously there's still some process, but but it, it just it it's uh, it is a glaring. Uh, <laughs> Um, what is the word? Uh, glaringly, sort of uh, counter to what they're trying to say there, uh, because yeah, he still needs work. But we all remember, you know, Kevin Pillar coming up as a right fielder, and then suddenly he's like an elite center fielder, or coming up as a left fielder, or a guy who's you know, oh, he might barrel a ball and will we'll strike out a bunch, but makes good contact, and and uh, you know, and that's he's an example to his to his credit, as much as you know, it's easy to dump on Pilar when he's having bad times. I mean, right now, obviously, that's not the case. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, to his credit, you know, putting the work in, but also, as we were talking about, to keep humping this fucking Vlad thing is, you know, the instructors that are at, at the big league level and what you can do defensively, how you can still evolve defensively uh, after you get to the big leagues. Um, which Jesus is Christ, how many guys did yeah. How many guys' careers did Brad Arnsberg – not, no, not Arnsberg, uh, uh, Butterfield, Butterfield, sorry. How many guys yeah. did did Butterfield, not only he didn't save the curves, but he, there were a lot of players, Aaron Hill is one in particular, who he he really like turned these guys into into much better infielders than they ever could have been. Marco Scudero was a guy who bounced around the infield a lot, and he became an everyday shortstop in Toronto. Like, he gave him that chance, and they worked, and they improved. Next thing you know, he's winning rings. Uh, I think he got two, in fact, Marco Scudero. Really? But... The one in the rain, the thing with the when he was playing in the rain, uh, that was great. But uh, but yeah, I, I, to to think that to think that this is all that Teoscar Hernandez is going to be, the, I'm comfortable with this as as uh, as what Teoscar Hernandez can be. He may he'll have these these moments. Maybe he won't make the same kind of contact. Maybe he'll start flying open or doing this and that. But uh, he's a, he's everyday right fielder. Not like that, I'm glad that that point seems to have been. Um, Resolved. Now, another thing I do. Well, it's easy. It's, it's easy to resolve that. One, you're dr- you're drumming on the goddamn counter. Uh, Am I? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and, <laughs> and two, uh, resolved. Except, I mean, Randall Grichik is still a thing that exists, which I know mm-hmm. that a lot of people are uh, have been really, really quick to want to just be like, oh, actually, he's bad. We probably should just not even worry about him. Go away, and that's and that's fine. And and. Uh, and you know, I, there there are lots of red flags on Gritchick when he came over, lots of things to maybe be concerned about. You know, he did, was a below league average hitter last year. Uh, the year that he was good, he had a, a, a strong BABIP, and that has not been the thing sort of since then. And especially this year, I think his BABIP in seventy seven at bats or plate appearances is like one nineteen, which I quote because I think I looked at it earlier today, uh, which is astonishing and and something that cannot. Uh, Continue on, right? So, uh, so he is going to get back in that conversation very much, even if it's, even if it's in a way like you mentioned with Granderson and uh, and Pierce, even if it's uh, if the Blue Jays do think maybe there's something that they don't like there, uh, perhaps I don't, I you know I think he's such a, he's he's got enough term left that they probably wouldn't think this way, but you know, get get moved towards a trade, get you know get somebody playing well and and. Uh, and I think, you know, he's not out of that conversation yet either. And that brings us back because there's a, <laughs> everything that doesn't come back to Vlad comes back to Morales, which brings us back to how is that going to work when he gets healthy and Morales, Grichik, Hernandez, Granderson mm. and Pierce all quote unquote have to play. 
except Morales obviously does not. I have a, qu- a name for you. So part of the, 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 there is a glut of outfielders. This is this is the something that we can obviously take away from this uh, part of the conversation. Uh, Hernandez is he he has cemented himself his play and and the lack right now of of true competition for his role. That um, he's not it doesn't look like he's going to go anywhere. Pilar is playing very well. And then again, there's there's Granderson, there is um, there is uh, Pearson and Grichik. Now we've seen the the sort of the next level of outfielders really cycle through this year, right? Pompey mm-hmm. came yeah. up, and and then Alfred came up, and now Dwight Smith Jr. is up. Um, I worry. I, see, I thought Dalton Pompey was out of options, but I guess that this is his last. He this is there's this year, but next in next year he would be out of options. Uh, this, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure how it works. Well, yeah, I, he would be out of options next year if one gets burned. But I think he hasn't even been down the rec- He has to be down in over 20 days, which because he was on the DL for a bit, I don't think he's been in Buffalo mm. in either stint yet long enough to have burned that option. But it looks like that's going to be inevitable. Unless more guys start getting hurt, which seems, frankly, uh, well, actually possible, but uh, <laughs> but implausible, given that so many guys have been hurt already. Well, uh, my my thinking with Pompey though is that we we probably won't see him again this year. Um, he had he had a situational at bat that was so bad it was awful, and he was asked. It, it was just truly terrible, and I just feel like that. John Gibbons is a lot of things, but that to me seems like the kind of thing that he's like, nope, I think I've seen enough. I'm, I um, think you're right on that, yeah. And then Alfred came up, uh, obviously Anthony Alfred battling injuries and stuff time to time, but uh, uh, now he's back down. I think the, the thing with Alfred is he, just, he more than anything, he needs to play. Yeah. And if it's a AAA, if it's here, uh, he just needs to play. So if he's not going to play here, then down he's got to go. Um, but call me crazy, but I think that Dwight Smith Jr. is interesting. No, I, I, I've, seen you, I've seen you tweet about this, and no, I don't, I don't think I don't know how interested I am. But please go on, tell everybody how interested you are. I, I just he just strikes me as he's a guy who always hits, right? And he's but his thing is he's small, right? He's not big. Mm-hmm. He's not a gigantic, you know. Not, he's not also, built like most yeah. baseball players. Not the not really or, a real not a real center fielder. I think is another thing for him too. Probably not a real center fielder. Probably not uh, doesn't have enough power to maybe. To, to earn the kind of um, extended look that maybe you would like to see. I mean, they, they've kind of seen what he can do at AAA, but I think that he's the kind of player who could maybe like put together a really nice season at one point. And I, I don't think that it would be here, but he's the kind of guy that if, if say Granderson and Ed Pierce are, are, are moved on or whatever, I would like to see if the, if, if the Jay season goes south, I would like to see him, them give him some run. And see what they see what he can do, even if it's as a fourth outfielder, and they're moving him in between left and between right. Um, maybe, as you said, maybe not center field, but because uh, I, I just there's just something about him that 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 he he screams like I am going to get have a four win year at some point, and it doesn't mean that he's going to be like a great player, and but but valuable like guys like that you need good teams need guys like that, and and if it's not this year's Blue Jays, maybe next year's Blue Jays, if he is the fourth outfielder. Because he doesn't do the same, he he's, has a, such a different profile than the Teoscar Hernandez and the uh, the what are they called? The other one, Grichik, right? Yeah. 
So maybe that would be, be a nice mix. I don't know. I, I'm just interested to see what he could do with a bit more playing time. Well, I liked him in uh, 2016 and 17 when he was uh, calling himself Ezekiel Carrera. Except I think that's probably unfair to, to Smith uh, a little bit. But uh, but that's a guy. Well, maybe that is unfair to Smith. But maybe, maybe that is. That's, nice. that's, that's a good guy to have. As I yeah. just said, good teams need guys like that. There was Carrera. Who then priced himself out of being that guy, essentially, because of the way that it worked. Yeah. No, I, 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 and, I, and I'm also glad that in our, I think we were supposed to be talking about optimism. You're like, yeah, let's get Dwight Smith some run after they blow up the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, I guess that is what passes for optimism right now. <laughs> in that, because the, the rest of the depth hasn't really showed itself to be as, as deep as advertised. And that was one of the, the, the next bullet points I had, which was realism. Because, the, the well, number one, the pitching is terrible right now. The starting pitching is terrible. But the other thing is, for all the talk, all year long and all winter long, Troy Tulowitzki is definitely the best option at shortstop right now. Yeah, I think so. Which is so crazy to think about. But... You know, Lourdes Gurriel, who I, I think it was Arden or maybe Ben and uh, Nicholas Smith wrote something about how basically he, they he, they were the Jays were forced almost to to call him up. They need someone to play shortstop when Diaz got hurt, and so it became Gurriel, who looks looked, looked like a utility player playing shortstop. Looked like a utility player playing shortstop who could not and would not hit. Um, but I'm not to say I'm, I'm not. I have not made up my mind. I I'm not going to put too much stock in this sort of early. It was April and he's getting called up and not uh, you know because he hit well so well at Double A. But so Guriel I don't think is the, and then or Urania uh, he had a home run yesterday and he had another hit today so that's great for him. But. Uh, you know, we have, we this is the, the go back a year when we were saying like, oh my god, I don't want to look for, I'm not looking forward to them. But they got to play Urania, not Tulowitzki, um, thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But and then and then Diaz, you know, Diaz started out great, but I don't know. I think he's. I, a, I don't know. The, he's a guy who I think hmm? I, I don't think the results uh, reflected as much. Uh, you know what he was doing in terms of striking the ball. If you look at the the Statcast stuff, so maybe there's more there, but there's not a whole lot there. I think you, I'm not. You know, I'm certainly not disagreeing with the Tulowitzki as the best option at shortstop at this point. Thing, though, that is uh, contingent on whether he can actually move about. At some point, he's on that fancy anti gravity uh, treadmill, uh, where you can run at like you know. 20% of your body weight so that you don't, you're, you're, you're fucking refused heel bone and you're whatever the <laughs> fuck else, like, doesn't fucking hurt you so much that you can't actually run, which I guess that's, I guess that's progress. Um, well, uh, uh, what I will say though, too, is to look, looking back at the, it was a, kind of a tangent, but looking at the, uh, the optimism thing and talking about this sort of stuff is that, uh, it's all really. It's really interesting. It's all like what, whatever happens to the 2018 Blue Jays, whether it goes well or whether it goes poorly, as opposed to the 2017 version of the club, which if it went poorly, it was just going to be a fucking slog. Uh, it's going to be really interesting because you know you are going to get to see run from some interesting guys. Some guys who probably are going to fail, but uh, lots of lots of different options that are going to come about. If it goes badly, there's going to be trades. There's going to be. Uh, 
you know, a real sort of changing of the guard uh, and really starting to get a sense of who is going to be able to to be part of the next uh, uh, the next phase of what this team is. I think that's it's a very real possibility uh, because I'm obviously so very optimistic <laughs> still that uh, that it ends up going that way, which is which is maybe, you know, for people who are dying, living and dying by every game. Uh, Maybe not the greatest news. Maybe that doesn't seem optimistic. But for me, that sounds like that, that sounds like a dream compared to the fucking second half of last season. No, I, I agree uh, completely. I think also the Blue Jays could the season because of the way that it started. Here we are in the almost the exact middle of May, and the season could still go in two completely different directions if. Tomorrow, Josh Donaldson starts hitting again, and they sort, uh, you know, Pierce comes back and they are able to sort Morales out. And then they've got Pierce and Grandison going through the DH, and then they move in the like, and, and Teoscar Hernandez maybe, stays as like a. Maybe get hmm? some starting pitching on top of that. Well, yeah. So, and then, and then Aaron Sanchez figures it out, and then uh, Stroma comes back and is healthy, and, and Hap keeps happening, and, and they don't have to start be a genie anymore. Like, none of those things are. Are, are are improbable, right? You know that Donaldson's better than this. You know that that you know Grandis is not this good, but but he and Pierce are like that makes a really good platoon. Uh, wherever you're cycling those guys through, hopefully not in left field with Pierce. Grandison's fine out there. Uh, you can't really throw. But then uh, yeah, sure. okay. If you if if you take a couple things like yeah, okay, I'll take this. You know, I'll take eighty eight percent of what I'm getting from from. Uh, from Teoscar Hernandez right now, or 95% of what I'm getting from Teoscar Hernandez right now, like 90% of what I'm getting from Kevin Pollard right now, like 115% of what I'm getting from, from, from Martin. Uh, second base is, uh, you know, Salarte has been great. Uh, the pitching, it, most of those guys even just come back to life. The team could, could go on a run that they, like a bunch of these guys could, uh, they, they could win a bunch of games like they did in April. They could, they could challenge the, the Angels and, and, and even stay within shouting distance of the, the Red Sox or whoever else is back there. Could be an amazing summer that oh, and, and then going into an awesome fall. But at the same time, if any of those things don't happen, not only could there be like, oh, there might be a Grandison trade or a peer, like they could trade like half the roster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the team on September 1st could look nothing like the team today. Which is... It's not if it's not exciting, but it well, it's it's interesting if nothing else at all. It, that it, they could trade all those guys. It is a little exciting, almost though, because it's like you know I, you're getting ahead of yourself, but it, it's it's it feels like they could put themselves in a position, and hopefully that there's enough talent there, and it feels like with a Vlad and a bow in the minor leagues that maybe there is that they could put themselves in a position where. Uh, you look up and it's 2019, and you're the the a team like the 2014 Cubs, or like a, a, you know maybe not quite like that, but like a team that is is closer to breaking through and having a you know being a really exciting young team than what you think of when you think about trading half the roster and changing you know changing the guard doing all that stuff like it could turn around quite quickly because they've managed to keep the level of the uh at the big league you know the level of talent at the big league level and their 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 attempts to uh to maintain relevance 
uh, this deep into what's obviously under the hood being a process of uh, of really changing a lot of things. So yeah, no, it's it's a. Uh, it, it could, it, uh, yeah, it won't be exciting at the end of this year, but it'll, but, and I don't think 2019, were that the way to, that it goes, would be uh, all that much better. But, you know, there, sometimes you have teams that hit earlier than they're supposed to, or sometimes you have, uh, you know, maybe 2020 is a year that's, that's realistically like, okay, well, they, they could, they could put together a really talented roster for that season. It's, uh, that's getting. Well, you- that's getting optimistic, obviously, but but it's not. That's not improbable either, necessarily. Uh, even, I, I, yes. <laughs> also, you look around at the teams that are rebuilding now, and not to say the Jays should be rebuilding, but they've already skipped so much. They will all already have skipped so much of that process in a lot of ways because there is a bunch of talent that is at or close to the big leagues, and it is elite, like it's high end. Talent. We're not talking about, uh, you know, the Reds or the the, the Detroit the or fucking Orioles, or like, yeah, or or the Orioles, right? Like it's it, it it could happen a lot more quickly because the thing again is you go down the list of of players that they could trade. So you're only going to get what you're going to get for Granderson. You're only gonna, you know for Pearson, but then you start to look at if it's a Hap or a, or Estrada. I mean, obviously Marco Estrada's trade stock is not super high right now, but like <laughs> no. But like they're they're all the volume of, of the options that they have before them only would bode well for what they can then do in 2019 and 2020 as well. But again, the more importantly, there there still is a chance that they could even improve this year. Yeah, that they don't have to go that route, right? Absolutely. They don't have to. They don't have to blow it all up. And I mean, we we it's it's there. You can't ignore that that door number two is, is within reach just as door number one is within reach. And, and there are, you know, I'm in my mind trying to think like, what, what could they, what could they do to improve the 2018 team without taking anything away from the 2019 team? And, and it's right now, it'd be like, it would be great to have a, someone who could pitch, right? It would be great <laughs> to get another starter. And I mean, yeah. I'm like, I'm looking at the Rays and I'm like, what would it take to get Chris Archer away from the Rays? Because the thing about Chris Archer is he's kind of shitty. He's my, the, there's a part of me that goes back to this all the time. Like he might be one of the most overrated pitchers in baseball, but at the same time, he's really good. <laughs> like I very much have two minds. Um, but so could you? Uh, now you couldn't get Chris Archer without making this year's team worse, or the next that 2019 or 2020 team worse. But Pretty but sure, it would be yeah. great if there was a way to like to like make a move like that. So what can help us? What will help us now and in the future? Um, just something just to solidify that and, and maybe move some of those other pieces around them. It's a, it's a question without an answer and I'm just sort of throwing it out there. So I don't expect you or anyone to have something loaded up and ready to go. Yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> I don't know they, they, they have a lot of options. And then again, there is always the other option too. The one we've spoken of, or we, we continue to speak of in like hushed tones, which is maybe Vlad Guerrero is a player that can make the team better this year. Now that's, Expecting a lot of a 19-year-old who, dominant as he is at Double A, you know he hasn't seen pitching at the big leagues. Nobody has, right? You don't, you don't. There, there's just no equivalent to the guys when they get there when their pitches are that much better and they have that much more of a repertoire. But nobody seems to be in doubt that Guerrero can hit today because he can. Yeah, he's really fucking good. Yeah, I mean, he sure looks like it. <laughs> it'd be nice to see. You know, he's got to go to Buffalo for a bit. Got to. 
you know, they got to got to pay those guys. Got to make sure that they get theirs, but uh mm. But yeah. But no, speaking of, you were saying about, you know, not having answers for stuff. I'm just I'm looking at my I'm looking at my the the Slack channel that we use uh, at the Athletic here, and, uh, and John Lott tells everybody, uh, "We'll have a J story soon, featuring perhaps the shortest post game presser with the manager and a few and a few profane words from the starting pitcher." Really? So I guess they were not. Uh, I guess Gimby and Sanchez not really pleased with uh, with how today went. It, it, it is worrisome. I, I think that now there is also that reality too. That's door number three. Mm-hmm. which we don't care to speak of uh, at great length today, but that is that the, the pitching is bad and stays bad. And that is a significant barrier to success in 2019 and 2020. If Sanchez uh, can't keep the ball down or can't figure out who he is or what he is, um, that's a problem. And if Marcus Stroman is hurt, that's a very, very serious problem. Um, but I don't want to talk about that at all. Not even, not even a little bit. No. I, and, and nor should we. I mean, people, granted, not people who I would, you know, I'm listening to a fucking sermon about how the game works from, but there are people out there who are, who are just like, well, they're pitching, they can't pitch, so that's it. They're, the deer's done, they can't pitch. And it's like, dude, it's, you know, was this Sanchez's eighth start? Uh, ninth mm-hmm. maybe like i mean still he's still got like 22 starts to go 23 maybe more uh you know stroman will be back stroman presumably is uh is going to be to benefit from having this rest period on his shoulder and it might take him a little while to get back and uh you know he's a guy who is not gonna not gonna give up and is is going to be itching to get out there and itching to be his best and to show that he is the guy that he was last year when he was fucking great. Uh, Estrada, I worry about. Garcia, I'm not... Uh, I, I think I think it'd still be better, but I don't think it's, uh, is this bad. You know, he's still... He, I thought he was bad last year, and his ERA right now is like two runs higher. Uh, so he's probably not that bad. <laughs> but, but, like, you know. But then also, as the season goes on, um, not to be this guy yet, because I think it's much too early, but, like, Sean Reed Foley is having a nice... Nice year in his second try at Double A. Uh, uh, Sam Gaviglio uh, pitched really well in that game against Boston, and and might get a look instead of uh, Biagini. I'm not sure if that's if anybody's tweeted that about it yet tonight. Whether whether they've made a determination, I didn't even see if he was uh, was used in tonight's game because uh, mm-hmm. we're here podcasting. But uh, and, and the game was you know sort of in the background <laughs> because it was fucking over before it uh well by that point uh but you know that's maybe an interesting arm there's you know baraki hasn't had the, the greatest of years there's jordan romano though i saw that he was pulled from a game in, in new hampshire from some sort of uh health reason but he's having a, a really mm-hmm. nice year there i mean these are guys who are a little wish casty like guys that are that like the prospect heads are like yeah gotta call sean reed foley up he's gonna fix everything and it's like oh, i didn't you know not every not everybody is Vlad who is you feel confident will step into the big leagues and be comfortable. Like I don't think that Sean Reed Foley is going to ride in and save the Blue Jays rotation. Uh, but you know, given more progress, given maybe a bump up the chain, uh, it's something that uh, there could be solutions there too. And also in sort of a similar way, like we talk about uh, with the outfield, if things if the decks get cleared a little bit. 
there are some intriguing options to take a look at for next year as well. But I, I, I don't think it has to come that, to that because even though, like I say, Estrada maybe worries me a little bit, I, I, which is which is dumb of me. I'm just, I'm very, I've always been quick to count him out. It just feels so wrong to have a soft-tossing guy just making people look fucking silly. But uh, but no, I mean, there's the, like like the, I think did, I, was it you maybe that tweeted like this is a worst case scenario right now for the Jays pitching basically other than Jay Happ and 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 that's it's May it's mid May so. The first six weeks, you know, if you've if anyone who's ever watched a baseball season knows that the first six weeks you don't just cut them, paste them, and that's how the rest of the year is going to go. Uh, I think there's there's lots to uh, to think can get better in terms of where the rotation is. Obviously, no, I agree, and that that was me. That is something that I said that uh, that it is a worst case scenario. But I do think, and I did mention mention it uh, a few times before. But the home runs are are the thing that I are terrifying yeah well the home runs are terrifying and if 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 everything else if other things start to sort sort themselves out and guys look more like themselves uh sanchez in particular and stroman in terms of his uh uh, his health and whatever else if those things uh straighten themselves straighten themselves out uh that's okay but the home runs are something that i'm going to be wary are you doing are you doing the fucking dishes no, my daughter's getting a drink. <laughs> okay, okay. She's allowed. Of course she is. Wakes up in the middle of the night. She's fine. It's fine. Oh. Everything's fine. There's no crashing, just some water. I tried to mute it, but uh, I was in the <laughs> middle of a, of, a, of a key crucial point. Well, which I, which I promptly derailed. It's fine. But uh, the home run's are the thing that I'm going to be wary of. Uh, and if, even if it's solo home run after solo home run, that's when it's like, oh, this is maybe this isn't going to work anymore. This, the game has... You know they they got the the most out of it and and it's there that we are now seeing the lack of um of a margin for error. That is, that, I but, mean that uh, is that is the worry, I guess, right? Like where these are guys who two and three years ago were like, eh, maybe they'll maybe the the home runs are going to be a problem, but if they're not, they'll be fine. And you fast forward to here, and just the environment has no, mm-hmm. continued to be home run happy unabated, and it's. Uh, yeah, I, I get I get where you're going with with that, and it's terrible terrible garbage, and I I will have none of it. No, I will not have any of it either. But uh, but that that is the worry, and, and I think for again, so we can think about 2018 and say if Estrada can't get right, if Garcia is you know basically you know borderline too bad to be a fifth starter. Sure, you take those lumps and you move on, and it's like well you know that. We ran, we ran with this sort of uh, smoke and mirrors vibe that these guys are putting out, and and other than Jay Happ, who is a robot, obviously, I think <laughs> the, the video of him of him running <laughs> the, the Boston Dynamics robot video, yeah, amazing. Um, but uh, Jay Happ is something of a wonder. I mean, he's thirty six, and it's like he's just has continued to be extremely good. Now he strikes everybody out. He's just like, oh, strikeouts! I see what you guys are doing. I can do that too. I'm a AI infused robot <laughs> that uh, with my prehensile tail, um, but uh, it's the other stuff that's that's um, that's scary. The, the younger guys, where if the younger guys, if it's if Stroman and Sanchez are somehow uh, not able to hack it uh, by because of health or approach or or just the nature of their 
arsenal does not is not aligned with the current state of the the launch angle game that's a problem yeah i don't think we need to worry i mean we can worry about it but i we're a long way from thinking that that's a, a well, I guess what I want to say is that, you know, there are more logical ways to look at what may be going on with them, which is that Strowman's shoulder is still bugging him. Mm-hmm. has been since spring training and he didn't really have a right to spring training. And Sanchez mm-hmm. had like literally almost didn't pitch in a live game for a year and has never been a guy with particularly great command and that he's just got to work himself back to getting that feel again and getting in that groove again. And then and that at some point, uh, things for both of them probably are going to change. Uh, I, I would say so. Or yeah. the 2019 2020 Blue Jays will have a really, really good bullpen with those two holding it down <laughs> at the back. Well, they'll fucking um, need it because they'll have no starters. Uh, that, that's very true. Uh, I think we've gone on long enough. This is already an hour. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is it. So, thank you. Uh, this is, took a turn in the ramble fest that this is. Uh, but there's some structure. We we had points. We were at a beginning and an end. I think so. Uh, what else could What else could you want? Uh, so yeah, this is it. Of course, as we always say, this is where uh, Patreon powered, like all the podcasts these are these days. But we've been at it for 166 episodes. So thank you to everyone who has been a part of our Patreon campaign and has uh, supported the podcast in any way uh, by sharing it with your friends, by uh, by liking us on Facebook, by um, by subscribing on iTunes or on SoundCloud, whatever it is. Uh, we're very appreciative, so thank you to everyone. And, and as we said, all you have to do is, her- is continually harass us and mention it over and over and over that the sound quality is really bad and you got to stop banging on the table or leaning on the table or on the counter as I've had to move a- move one of my old hardcore T-shirts onto my like waist level where you've been standing. I'm banging into stuff. So uh, thank you for your feedback and thank you for listening and, and for engaging. Um, and we didn't even talk about the Joey Votto thing through all oh, this. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Alexis well, and I talked about it yeah, yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And she knows better than us. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, please do. It was terrific. Uh, not because of m- me, obviously. Be, uh, Alexis carried the show. One day this will be her show. This is the only thing she hasn't done in baseball is hosted a podcast. So I can expect her to just like swoop in and take over and we'll be good to go. But uh, but of course, you can read Stoughton at um, at The Athletic. And uh, I wrote something for Vice. So for, for Vice Sports. So if you haven't read that, please do. Um, I don't know. Just Google it or something. Uh, maybe you'll find something I wrote for Vice Sports like ten years ago, which is which was I don't think that it's probably not online anymore, but it's out there. Uh, and so, you got anything else? Anything else to add? No, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. No. Uh, no, I, I, the, the, I, I, I'll add this. I, I I've started taking uh, like taking notes with an actual pen, mm-hmm. and uh, really looks like I'm the goddamn Zodiac killer. My penmanship is is very poor at this stage of my career. I can imagine. My my, I I am among those who thinks to myself, I need to write things down. And when if I write notes, I take, I remember things better, or I, because I'm not if I'm in a meeting or doing something like that, I, handwritten notes are better, which is true to a point. But then there's so, every single time I do a handwritten note, I just wish it was on my computer, but. I'm not if I'm typing on the computer. If I'm in a meeting or doing something where I'm supposed to be engaging with the world around me, if the computer's in front of me, that's over. That's not happening. Yeah, I'm thinking about stupid Justin Verlander photoshops and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to stop. I have to unplug every so often. But uh, yeah, my handwriting has always been bad to the point where my children, who are very young, they mock me <laughs> for my 
embarrassing, embarrassing handwriting. And I think you are like me in that you're left-handed. Is that not is I, that true? Indeed I am. Indeed I am. I'm left-handed too. So notebooks and most things that people write on are not meant for left-handed folk. True. So so it, it, it only makes things worse if for guys the, like you and me. If only there was a store where I could I'd get myself a, a left-handed uh, a can opener. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it now? Yeah. All right, but that's it. So, uh, so thank you, thank you for that anecdote. Thank you for sharing the Zodiac Killer. I think there's probably you have more similarities to the Zodiac Killer than that. No, no, they didn't catch that guy. They caught the other one, the Golden Gate, the Patton Oswalt's. Yeah, I well, no, I mean, I, I mean Ted Ted Cruz, obviously, but other than that, then. <laughs> Very true, very true. All right, uh, that's it for this edition of Birds All Day. Thank you so much. We will uh, we'll talk to you next week. 